0: What is up, everybody? Welcome to a Wednesday edition of Texans All Access. I'm your host, John Harris, football analyst and silent reporter for you, Houston Texans. And my first time on radio this week because Mark Vandermeer, the voice of the Texans, was down in Orlando at the owners' meetings and texted me on Monday and said, I got the show Monday and Tuesday. when your boss says, you know, you don't have to do radio for those two days, you just kind of nod, say yes, and away you go. So. I uh, had a chance to listen to the last couple nights. Really good stuff that Mark was able to get from Orlando. I got a few things to follow up. In fact, we'll do some in this first segment as well. But tonight is also our, well, it's our Wednesday night draft night. Wednesday night. It's our Wednesday night draft. How about that? This evening, we will do the Football Guilty Pleasures draft. And if you're thinking about, okay, what exactly? Well, think about what a guilty pleasure is. Think about what that is for you. Oh, man, I'm, I'll just give you one. It's not I I could go and actually football is sort of my guilty pleasure in and of itself, but I love blackjack. It is if I've got some money in my pocket and I am anywhere near the Greenbrier, New Orleans, Las Vegas, I'm playing blackjack. I love it. I could play all night. I love everything about it. It is one of my absolute guilty pleasures away from the field, which isn't great because I end up losing a lot of times. We don't even want to talk about my performance at the Green Bry, but I did make up for it on our trip to New Orleans last summer. So uh, lost a little bit at the Green Bride, won a little bit in New Orleans. I love playing blackjack, and my intro to it was in Las Vegas, 2008, January 2008, there for the Super Bowl do some radio shows out there. I started playing Blackjack at about 8:30 local time and I finished at about 430 a.m local time eight straight hours playing Blackjack switch which you've never played it's crazy and I did that out at Tilma Fortita's gold nugget out in Las Vegas so guilty pleasure for me Blackjack just love it could play it all day now we're gonna turn those into football guilty pleasures what are some of the things that you love that you want you could watch over and over and over again you could listen to you could wear you could eat. Any of those those things are involved. TPC, Drew Doherty, and myself, the Football Guilty Pleasures Draft. We'll also go around the NFL because there's a lot going on from especially the owners' meetings the last few days down in Orlando. And a lot of them have to do with rule changes, but we'll get into that a little later in the show. Some talk about Odell Beckham and what's happening with him. So we'll get into that later in the show. But Coach O'Brien met with the media on Tuesday morning, breakfast with the coaches. I would like to go to the owners meetings just because I would love to see all the coaches in the same room. The combine, you see them periodically. You know, They'll come up to the podium at certain times, but they're not all in the same place at once, which I would find fascinating because we get the opportunity to talk to Coach Brian anytime. I would love to just go around and listen to all the different coaches. Especially, I think they do AFC and then NFC, but even if it's just one conference coaches, and then the other. I would, I would love it. I think it would be fantastic, and I think that's one of the cool things about the owners' meetings. And Coach O'Brien hit on a number of different topics. A lot of injuries right off the bat. But let's start with the Honey Badger. Tyron Matthew signs with the Texans. This was the first opportunity for Coach O'Brien to speak publicly
1: about what he liked about Tyron Matthew. When we started talking to him, uh what stood out to me was his football intelligence and all the different ways that he was used in Arizona. You know, he's obviously a safety. He was a nickel. He played played a little bit of corner. I mean, he's a very versatile. He's a really good blitzer. Good ball skills. I think he has eleven or twelve interceptions. Ball hawk. You know, try to punch the ball out. That's what I like about him. He makes plays on the football. That's what I like about him. He's any. He, but the big thing that stood out to me was his passion and love for the game i mean he, all he wanted to do was talk about football and you know how he was used in arizona and how he sees our defense and so i was I, I was just very impressed with him having not really known him uh, just uh, you know i've just seen him on film but getting to know him and then when he came here sitting down having some meetings with him uh, th- this guy's going to be a real good guy in our locker room uh, some of our players know him real well, and they're looking forward to playing with him.
0: Knowing OB, knowing football coaches, knowing myself, if you got a player that comes in and just all he wants to do is talk ball, that's all he wants to talk about. He wants to talk about football. He wants to talk about the team. He wants to talk about players on the team, and that's all he wants to talk about. That's what's important to him. You will win over every single coach, every single person. You will win me over, and that, I think, is the kind of player that Tyron Matthew is. But I love the fact that he talked about his impact in a locker room, too. 25 years old, yet, because of the Honey Badger moniker, because of what he did in college, because of what he did the first few years in the NFL, he is highly respected and highly thought of. And that gets me really excited about what he can do in 2018 for this team, this organization, and this city. Now, Coach was also asked about... Quarterback Deshaun Watson. Where is he in his rehab process? And well, you know how coaches with injuries, and I don't blame him. Any, I don't know that you get any competitive disadvantage by giving information up, but people wanted to know, so they asked. Where is Deshaun in his rehab? Will we be able to see him during
1: OTAs? Deshaun, I would say, is ahead of schedule, but there's still a lot of work to put in, John. You know what I mean? Like, so he. He's, he's, unfortunately, but also fortunately, he hurt the other knee in college. So he understands the rehab process. So he really under he has a great idea of how he feels, how his knee feels, because he's been through it before. He knows the stages that he needs to get to to be able to get back on the field. And, uh, you know, I, I'm not going to give away exactly where he is right now, but I think he's definitely ahead of schedule, and hopefully he can, do, everybody's asking me what can he do during the spring well we don't know yet you know we don't know that yet because the spring's a nine-week program the first two weeks of the nine-week program it's strength and conditioning and meetings and then the next three weeks is a little bit of field work but not much more than the first two weeks and then the last uh, four weeks is you know basically practice without pads so we'll see where he's at at that point
0: point. one of the things that coach hit on after giving an update on Deshaun was the fact that 2017's got to be in the rearview mirror. And and I've said this a few times in talking about this. This is one thing about expectations. The expectations for Deshaun in particular have risen because of what he showed in those six games. But 2017's got to be in the rearview mirror. And Coach talked about what's going to be important for his now second-year quarterback coming back into the building on April 16th for conditioning – what is important for him starting that day, going all the way, obviously, through the 2018 season?
1: Yeah, this is something where we all have to get beyond last year. Last year is over for all of us. 2017 is over. And he has to, when we, when we start again on April 16th, uh, he has to start from scratch. You know, he's got to go right back to the basics of the offense, the, you, you know, his own fundamentals, as much as he can work on that. We have, to, we have to build it up again because it, it was six games. It was only, you know, that obviously a 16-game season. That's not even half the season, uh, which is a good thing in some ways, but in some ways it, it, it's also where, okay, look, that was great, but, like, all these teams, especially in our division, have watched all those plays. You know, they're, they're studying those things, and we have to start from scratch and start building a new offense. Our offense is totally different now than what it was, and uh, we've 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 really worked hard this offseason to, and we're still working on it. It's not really done yet, but um, so we all have to start from scratch. Injuries,
0: obviously, the unfortunate story of twenty seventeen, and Deshaun Watson, a rookie, another rookie that people have been asking plenty about of us, and finally. Getting a chance to ask Coach O'Brien this. Deontay Foreman, the Achilles injury that he suffered against the Arizona Cardinals after a long touchdown run, unfortunate and a tough injury to come back. The coach gave an update on the former Texas City
1: Stingery and Texas Longhorn star, Deontay Foreman. Progressing well. He's been in there every day. Uh, Working hard. You know, it's a a tough injury uh, for a young running back. But he's been working very hard. And so I think he'll he'll be on schedule to. He, he, I don't think he'll be able to do much on the field in the spring, but I think he'll be ready for training camp. Would you like to see him take on more work? You know, I, I, it yeah, I think like he was trending in that direction. I think just like everybody else, he's got to earn that. But uh, but he showed uh, a lot of promise last year before he got hurt. I mean, he got hurt on a 50 yard touchdown run. Yeah, right. And. Um, you know, I really like the way he plays the game. I like the physical aspect he brings to the game. I like a lot of what he does. So.
0: Now, I don't know who the person was asking the question, but in between there you can hear you expect him to carry more work, the workload, and essentially the question came up, you, you see him as a starter. And I've said this to many people. I don't, I don't worry about who starts. I, I never worry about who starts. That makes no difference to me. And if you asked a player and said, look, you can start, but you're only going to play twenty plays. Or you can be the quote unquote backup, and I say that in air quotes, and not start, but you'll play sixty plays a game. Which do you want? Well, I know what I pick. I couldn't care less about starting. And starting has to do with what defense they might see, some of the plays they want to run right out of the shoot. That starting really doesn't matter, but the follow up question to all that was was he going to start? <laughs> and coach after kind of being cajoled into it. Uh, he thought it was a little bit of clickbait. That's right. It's clickbait. (laughs) Good one, coach. I kind of feel that way too. Running backs, tight ends, wide receivers, it doesn't matter who starts. Now, on the offensive line, it does. Because those guys that typically start end up playing the majority of the snaps because you don't rotate freely. It's not about personnel groupings. Yeah, you might put a sixth offensive lineman and a tight end, but that said, usually starts, plays in the offensive line. One of those guys that has an opportunity this year is going to be second-year offensive tackle Julione Davenport. Coach was asked about him and his progress and what Coach O'Brien thought of in the last two games he started against the Steelers and Colts.
1: Yeah, I thought when he went in there, you know, for a rookie, coming from a small school, he's got a great attitude, very businesslike, very serious guy. Uh, and I thought when he, when, he, when he played, he played some tight end, he played some tackle. You know, tackle at the end of the year. I thought I thought he held his own. I thought he held his own. You know, he's a big guy. He's got uh, excellent length, athletic ability, and so yeah. I mean, look. You know, he n- none of these positions are nailed down, but he'll he'll be given the opportunity to to play left tackle. As coach noted, there there are no guarantees at this
0: time of the year. Even if he said he's going to start left tackle, there are no guarantees that's going to happen. But I went back and I watched Julian the last two games. When those two games took place, it was during Christmas break. The team was not playing very well. It was not going well. We all wanted the season to be over. So I really didn't get a chance to study those games. I went back and watched them. I didn't really study them. But I made a point the other day to watch both games, Steelers and Colts, with Julian on left tackle. Because I started thinking maybe that's the way this goes, given what's left in the draft. The free agents, Nate Solder, was really the only one that had a true body of work to play left tackle. So I thought, what if they do go into the season with Juliano left tackle? What does that mean? And I watched those two games, and he faced J- he faced T.J. Watt. He faced uh, Stephon Tuitt at times. He faced uh, Jabal Sheard with the Colts. So he wasn't facing a bunch of slappies. And he ended up faring, I thought, very well. Not going to sit here and tell you he's going to be an all-pro left tackle. Not even going to tell you he's going to be a starter. But I, after I got done with those, I thought, man... Julione came a long way if he makes the year one to year two jump like we expect, based off of those two games, and he makes that jump, I think Julion Davenport could be the left tackle, and we could feel really good about that going forward. Is it going to be perfect? No. I mean, look, he's two years removed from playing at Bucknell against VMI and, and Villanova. Now he's facing the Steelers and the Colts, and then the Jags. So he's got a long way to go. He still got to get stronger. But if he comes back from his offseason conditioning and he gets in this offseason conditioning and he is stronger and he is uh, now a little bit more accustomed to the speed of the game, I think Julione could end up holding his own at one of the tackle positions. Left, right, whatever. I think he's going to end up holding his own in one of those spots. He's more comfortable at left than he is at right. But I really liked what I saw in those two games. Was it perfect? No. 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 Not even close. But... Was it a lot better than the other linemen he was playing alongside, alongside of in those two games? Yeah, it really was. So, Julio, we'll see. But coach had some good things to say about him and his opportunity to play left tackle. All right, we get back. It is our Football Guilty Pleasures Draft. It's Wednesday Night Draft next right here in Texas All Access. It is time for our Wednesday Night Draft. I'm your host for this evening's show, John Harris, football analyst, the silent reporter. Join now by my two best friends. I don't Really? I, I, yeah, I don't want Mark in Mark here. I was he like, I the you guys are <laughs> You guys are my two best friends.
2: We won't tell him.
0: DP Sidhu and Drew Doherty, what's going on, guys? We're That's doing boy.
2: great. How's it going, Johnny?
0: Yeah, he may not have me on a show tomorrow for that. He didn't have me on the show Monday or Tuesday either, so... Uh, he'll be uh, all right. He'll <laughs> be all right. Yeah, okay. so anyways, last week <laughs> we did our Wednesday night draft, <laughs> mm-hmm. and... Me, you, Drew, and Mark Vandermeer, we drafted the All-American – it was the All-American Dude draft. Yes. It was pretty good. All-American mm-hmm. dudes. All-American Dude. Okay, DP. Yeah. All-American Oh, dudes. gosh.
2: I knew you were going to put that on me now.
0: Now, I'm not – Dead no. or alive? Fiction, uh, fictional or real? Real. Didn't matter. The very first pick in the draft was Mark Vandermeer. She took Ronald Reagan. Oh, okay. I took George Patton. Here took, was my team. I my took team, Jason Bourne. Yeah, my team was George. <laughs> Patton. I know. I
2: was thinking more entertainment.
0: <laughs> my my team was George Patton. <laughs> yeah. Bruce Lee. Okay. Um, oh Charlie, ben, uh, Chuck Bednarik, who played for the Eagles a long, long time ago. Concrete <laughs> Charlie, Rambo,
3: and mm, okay. Willie Nelson. And then I took Jason Bourne, Dalton from Roadhouse, Mister Rogers, Chuck Yeager, the pilot, and Don Meredith.
0: The only rule was you had to have one football
2: type of one person
0: personality from yeah. football yeah. Oh, okay. football coach player
2: oh okay so i'd go george washington
0: okay that's a good one let's
3: yeah. see I, he was I'd on go, my list originally. he was yeah i'd he go was.
2: joe montana
3: okay wow because joe montana
2: got me into football
3: sure that's a good one that's yeah. a yeah, legit one, he hosted then, saturday night live i mean and he was oh, good yeah. yeah
2: Yeah. very good and then the third one i want to be somebody from entertainment i like jason bourne but i feel like there's an actor or somebody out there
1: Can't
2: reach. like maybe like a Caretop? Michael, and You know what? Michael Jackson. Michael I'm Jackson. I'm going to put Michael Jackson on there. Because okay. when I was a kid and I went to India with my family, yeah. they didn't. The, all they knew, these kids in the village, they there was no anybody. TV. They didn't know anything, hey. but they knew Michael Jackson. You do one.
3: not have to sell. Michael those, Jackson. Yeah, Michael good
0: Jackson. one. Those are my don't know three. Who he is. But, well, fine. we did five. That's okay. We'll, okay, we'll I'll stop we'll, at three. We'll <laughs>
2: I need more time to think about that. <laughs> no, that's
0: okay. You did well on a spot getting three, to be honest. I like that. You. I like that We did not draft John Wayne or The Rock or Nolan Ryan or Chuck Norris or Chuck Norris.
2: All good. All good choices.
0: Uh, so uh, yeah, those, and also Stifler from American Pie. Those were not. <laughs> those were not drafted at any point. He's way down the list. <laughs> Your list, maybe. All right. So tonight's, I always, I always think about guilty pleasures, especially when it comes to football. Like, what are the things that I just absolutely love? Like, I could watch, I could wear, I could look at, I could listen to any of that. What are my football guilty pleasures? And I thought, hmm, okay, kind of taking what Drew said last week, because Drew's suggestion was tailgate food, and I liked it. But then I thought, I don't really go to tailgates a lot, so I'm not really sure what's actually out there at a tailgate. But I figured, hey, what about football guilty pleasures? Because one of the guilty pleasures for football for people is tailgating. And I was like, hmm, let's put it together. Came up with football guilty pleasures. This can be anything about the game of football. It can run the gamut. It can be movies. It can be TV. It can be a player. It can be a, anything, anything that you want it to be, is your football guilty pleasure. Are you ready? I'm ready. Ready. Okay, DP, you want to go first and kick us off? Yes. Would I'll you like go first. me? To, you want me to kick it off? Uh, let's let
3: DP go. Okay, let's
0: oh.
2: let
3: DP go. Then I want to go next. <laughs> DP,
0: then Drew, then me. <laughs> yeah.
2: Johnny has to go last. And we won't snake track. We're gonna we'll snake it. will just go. Well, no, yeah, we'll yeah. Just, You we'll can just, snake it. It's fine.
0: Okay, we'll snake it then. All right, so DP, that you, you guys. Go always, first.
2: Always, mine, mine is one that is not really. It's more about the game, kind of. Yeah. Uh, Touchdown celebrations. Because growing up you could do touchdown celebrations. I would watch the highlights every week to see touchdown celebrations across the league. Then they went away. Then we were really sad. We still Mm -hmm. got to see them from time to time. And then they come back, and now with NFL Network, they they replay the Mm. best celebrations of the week on Monday morning. I don't know why I'm so entertained by that segment. I die laughing because then they try to recreate them, which is never, ever even close to what the original was. And I'm like, it's like 6.30 in the morning. I'm dying laughing. And my husband's like, this is the least – like, technical part of the game, and you're so into it, I'm, and it, it's just a guilty pleasure. I just think it shows personality, it's entertaining, it's fun, even if it's a player from a different team, I can get into it. You I can watch those all day
0: long. You crushed it. That was actually one of oh, on my Oh, was list. it? I, I take, felt like I you guys were going to be off.
2: like, that's too frivolous. I that's know. a
0: good one. That's a perfect right. one. That's ex- right. You got it exactly.
2: Okay. It was the first thing to came to mind. All right.
0: All right. True.
3: Mine's kind of nerdy, but whenever anyone, whether it's a college game or a an NFL game brings up time of possession. I always smile and just think to my days in Lubbock after having to interview Mike Leach after every game and hearing him answer questions. I never asked him cause I, I heard, I learned early on he hated this, but Texas tech never won time of possession when they were out there right. ever. I mean, it was rare, but they win, they win more often than not most of their ball games. you know, uh, he got so mad about time of possession. It's it's not. It's, the, the points on the scoreboard are more important than time of possession. <laughs> Who cares if you win time of possession if you don't score the football? So anytime anyone brings up time of possession, I really laugh. Now it's an important stat, I think, and you win time of possession, yeah. you usually win the game. But they they kind of bucked that trend while while he was out there, except for in his la- the last that 2008 season when they were awesome. They did win time of possession a lot. Yeah, just hearing words time of possession every single time. It makes me smile and think good. of Mike Leach just squinching up his face <laughs> and bobbing his head and getting angry about time of possession.
0: That's pretty good. Mm-hmm. That's pretty good. All That's right. my
3: weird guilty pleasure. Sorry. All
0: right. So this this is mine. And I, I thought about this when Warren Moon was here because I used to think that Warren Moon threw the most majestic ball there ever was. And it really hit me again because – Being in the building, we really haven't seen a lot of deep balls. But in Seattle, when Deshaun launched that ball deep and just watching it in the air for as long as it was and it connected to Will Fuller for a touchdown, one of my most guilty pleasures is the bomb. Yeah. Seeing a completed Mm -hmm. long ball like that one, to just see that spiral in the air and just watch it like, I mean, I was, it was, I was, I could watch that play a million times the completed bomb, that is going to be my first guilty pleasure. It's a good one. That's All a right, really dude. good one. Oh, back, wait, it, it snakes snake. back Let's to snake. me, right? It snakes back to me. Okay. You guys know I love NFL films. Mm-hmm. A lot of different ways I could go with Who this. Does?
3: What weirdo doesn't like NFL films?
0: <laughs> but, like, I'm I'm probably more weird than, other, than others. They're the gold standard. I, mean. I know. I, I, I just love it. There's so many different ways you could go with this, but I fell in love. I love documentaries. Mm-hmm. But to me – when America's Game for NFL Network came out, they did the top 20 Super Bowl teams of all time. If America's Game is on television or anywhere near me, I will watch it. I will I will watch, in air quotes, as I'm driving home in my car. I'll just put on the sound just so I can listen okay. to it. I don't watch it. Okay. I Not just anymore. listen to it. <laughs> so my second one is America's Game on NFL Network. It's pretty good. Yeah. It's pretty there good. Go. I like it. I like it. All right. It. Drew, next.
3: The Navy fight song, I like it. I don't watch much Navy football, but every couple years I'll hear their Navy fight song. That burr, it's called "Anchors Aweigh." Yeah, like A W E I G H. So I just love it. Bum, bum 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 I like that song. You know what's great? And, and above all other fight songs, that's the one I love. That's your favorite? Yeah. I didn't go to Navy or anything. I I'm not going to pick like this Michigans, one. I
2: like Michigan's, even though I hate Michigan. Yeah. My
0: Shit's dad taught good. me that Michigan fight song when I was five. I don't know why. I know how to like play that funny.
3: on the xylophone or the whatever the. You
0: know, it's also one of my guilty pleasures is that Army Navy at the end of the game when the game's over, the team that wins sings second, and I lo- I just love watching that team who's won. They have to wait for the other team, but then when they do, it's just this eruption. Mm-hmm. I love it. good one, Drew. All right, DP, you get this last pick, and then you get to start off the third round. Oh,
2: okay. Uh, mine is along the lines of college football. I love college game day signs. Oh yeah, oh, signs on so college game Dang it, day. That's a really good one. That's yeah. really good. I I don't even care what they're talking about, but I'm just like watching the signs and I'm so, I don't know, I'm so entertained by the trash talking and the creativity. Like I Jim Harbaugh was on once. Or Michigan was playing and they had like all these signs about Jim Harbaugh. One was like Jim Harbaugh wears off-brand khakis and yes. Jim Harbaugh uses yes. Snapchat filters and he doesn't wait his turn in the pretzel line. Jim like,
3: Harbaugh loves Nickelback stuff. Yeah, like Nickel, yeah.
2: yeah, stuff like that. Like, it's just. That's so, <laughs> no all you
3: Nickelbackers out there. It's just yeah. the
2: most <laughs> random trash talking, and I'm so entertained. And every now and then, you'll see. Like I remember when we went to um, in 2013, we went to San Diego, and it was week one, opening day, and they had a bunch of those those big heads, the big cutouts. Yeah, yeah big yeah, fat heads. Yeah, big yeah, fat yeah. heads were in, and somebody brought like all of our players' heads, mm-hmm. the big heads. It was like Brian Cushing, Earl Mitchell. Um, was it Arian? There were like three or four of them. And I was, I, I, I love signs that just are kind of fun and, and make the game game
0: day signs. Game, day signs. game day signs. College really
2: game day signs. College game day signs. Pro game the pro, the pro game day signs need to up.
0: College game, game day, the their students get very bit. creative.
2: So good. Very,
0: very good. All right, you kick off the third round. My Deep third go.
2: one is a little bit nerdier. I love miked up. I love anything miked up. I don't know why. I just feel like I'm in on a conversation that I'm not supposed to be in on, even though everybody knows the guy's miked up. Yeah. But I'll watch miked up from anything, and I love it when they trash talk to each other, or they're having a conversation about something that has nothing to do with the game. Uh, I'll, I'll watch miked up all day, any day. I could just watch him back to back to back to back.
0: That's an outstanding. Mm-hmm. Yes. All right, Drew, your turn. Neck rolls.
3: <laughs> I love seeing 1980s footage of the NFL and seeing some of these guys with the neck rolls and just how people wore their uniforms differently back then. I love seeing that stuff. And and bodies were shaped differently back then. They weren't as muscled up as there's a lot of a lot of more marmaduke looking guys, you yeah. know, with like lots of limbs and kind of, you know, rangier. But yeah, I just love seeing, <laughs> seeing neck rolls. It All always right. cracks me up. We'll and go- big, and goofy face masks yeah, uh, no less. Goofy, goofy face masks. Yes. 1B.
0: Did you like the bullhorn? I used to love that's a cool the bullhorn. one. that, that the single,
3: back. the single, uh, <laughs> the single bar, single <laughs> bar for non-kickers. Kickers. You know, I mean, for like,
0: non-kickers, <laughs> that was <a> wild <laughs> like Joe Theismann. Yeah. All I'm right, we'll go. That. We'll go four rounds. So I'll finish up the third, and then we'll do the fourth. And these last two, my last two are going to be very, very nerdy, and probably tell tell the reason why I am wh- where I am and what I'm doing. But the last one in the third round is I. I could listen, and I pandered to my boss in some sense, I could listen to Mark's end-of-game call against the Colts in 2015 when A.J. Boyer comes up with the interception.
2: Hasselbeck gets the snap. He's going to go long, deep down the middle of the field, and it's intercepted by
0: A.J. Boyer. Boyer runs across the 45 and slides down, and the Texans are going to do it. They're going to finally beat the Colts in Indianapolis. I could listen to that Sheer all joy. day long. Sheer joy. Oh, it was fantastic. I was
2: as happy for Mark as I was I for the
0: team. I know. I was I, the whole time. And, and, the and he's was, always so
2: nervous at Lucas Oil Stadium. I'll see him before the game. I'll see him at halftime. And he's just like, oh, I don't know. I just hate this place. I, I hate this place like poison. I was very happy.
0: For and him. so after he makes that call to AJ, he throws it down at me. And I, I'm like, so cel- I'm like down on the, the sidelines <laughs> celebrating, celebrating with everybody. Yeah. And he throws it. Hey, let's go to John. I'm like, I'm in half in tears. And I was like, can't <laughs> talk. But then the next day, which I, I heard the call, but I didn't really it didn't really register because there's so much going on. I'm watching, the, I'm watching everything, so I didn't really hear it. The next day I heard him play it, I was like, that was really good. Like I told him, I said, that was excellent. I could listen to him make that call. He had a lot of years to time.
2: prepare for that yeah, call, he
0: did. Johnny. He did. He had that one <laughs> did that one uh, ready to go. That's a good one. And my last one is now he's synonymous with college football, but he also did the very first year of Monday Night Football. But to mm-hmm. me, he is the voice of football in my mind, and that's Keith Jackson. Keith Jackson, I could listen to any game that Keith Jackson's doing, whether it's Keith Jackson and Frank Broyles, Keith Jackson and Greasy. I could listen to Keith Jackson all day long. He was good game. on
3: baseball, too, man. He was. He was very good. He was good. a really good baseball Keith Jackson too.
0: was it – it spoke volumes to me, and it's obviously as I was, you know, in young adulthood, moving on into adulthood. But he just passed away recently, and that was one of my – that was one of the things I always wanted to do. I always wanted to meet him and talk, just talk to him about college football because he'd covered it all. But didn't get the opportunity. But uh, my Keith Jackson, man, that dude. I could listen, I, I could listen to him call a game. When he, when he was in his heyday, he was fantastic. All right, Drew.
3: Okay, uh, I'm going to go. I've got a couple honorable mentions. I'm not going to go with Devin Hester. Mm. I'm not going to go with the early 80s uniforms of the SMU Mustangs. I'm going to go with <laughs> – Return touchdowns, whether it's an interception return, a punt return, okay. or a kickoff return. Because offensive touchdowns, for the most part, are typically choreographed, True. you know? Yeah. There was a plan there. It's chaos with a return. I mean, and I know, you know, punt return, that's what special teams coaches try yeah. to set up. They try, But still, I mean, it's oh, yeah. a lot of times it's, it's making one guy miss and then weaving through other things. I love returns for touchdowns. I want to see more of them for the touchdowns, or excuse me, for the Texans specifically in 2018.
0: That's what I like. That's very good. DP, last pick of the Football Guilty Pleasures draft.
2: Um, I was going to give an honorable mention to my favorite plays. Oh, we can rifle
0: through some if you want, because okay. i got a whole list of them. I, over think, here.
2: I think Hail Mary and Fake Punt are mm, right up there with the, one, yeah. the trick plays. that At imp-
3: least three times a game, I nudge you and say hey watch out for the fake here
2: (laughs) it's coming right here and most of the time you're wrong but every now and then i
3: uh, think i've been wrong every single time except for at new york in um, in 2014 i was
2: trying to be nice uh but you know what i'm gonna go super frivolous on this one at the risk of totally girling out here uh we get on the plane and all the players on the road games uh, they're dressed up in their suits or whatever they're gonna wear on game day they wear them usually the the day of travel as well so i get a window seat and i like to look at the window and see what everybody's wearing because i think it's just i'm so entertained by their fashion choices we see them you know in their jerseys all week long but and i won't name any names but like i saw a totally sequined jacket this year (laughs) by a non-starter total like sequined out to the nines like he was sparkling in the sun um seen velvet uh, we talked about Ben Jones and the all camouflage oh, yeah, he head good. to toe with the, the camouflage luggage. Uh, we I have I mean,
0: seen. We've
2: seen a lot of different things. We've seen hats. We've seen accessories. We've seen shoes. Uh, but I, I really like that. I, I think that you get to really. See, I think the players enjoy it because. Well, the ones that enjoy dressing up. I don't think the yeah. o linemen love it. I don't think Vince Wilfork liked it. He would just yeah. wear like pants and a T-shirt. He wore,
0: yeah, he, he just was, he was like, he was I do it. not
2: care about this day. But I really like that because I think also with our jobs, we do a lot of cool things, and that's yeah. something that a lot of fans don't get to see. Yeah, home true. games are different because you know it's home games. More although casual, although Deontay Foreman and uh, Bruce Ellington wore the same <laughs> outfit once, <laughs> and I was talking to him in the locker room like, well, how did like it's a crazy looking shirt. It's not even like a standard and white like shirt. Like olive
3: pants. And
2: they both were olive yeah. pants. And so um, I think it was Bruce Ellington's fiancee. She said, oh, I got I got him this shirt at Zara. <laughs> but, like, I didn't know. Like, how did I know that somebody else would wear yeah, it the same day? Super fun. So I, nice. I, enjoy, I enjoy that.
0: All right, Drew, you got any more honorable mention? Uh,
2: I have another one.
0: Give your honorable mention.
2: I like it when players interview other players.
0: Oh, KJAC TV?
2: K-Jack TV is one. I really like Spice Adams from the Bears. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, his dancing is just, like, on point. He did a whole video about why his minivan is so tremendous with Pat McAfee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, I l- I love Like, I love radio, so I love it when other people do radio really well. And that's not even their main job. They're players that just become really good radio hosts.
0: You know who did a good job in the locker room for the Vikings was Brian Robinson. Yeah. for like- Texas defensive end. All right, Drew.
3: I like snow games.
0: Oh, yeah. Games in the snow are always
3: fun to watch. They're very good.
0: All right, here are the ones that I came up with just rapid fire. DeAndre Hopkins, one-hand catches, love them. I love the Texas Bowl. Uh, There's something about that game just being here. I love it. Old school, like way back 60s, San Diego Chargers, Powder Blues, Clowny hit on Michigan Player I could watch over again. The potato salad in the press box. (laughs) That is good. Yeah, that is good. (laughs) It's outstanding. It's really good. Pre-game hype videos, I love them. Pre-game hype videos, I can watch our hype video all the time. I love night games on the road. I love Al Pacino's speech on any given Sunday. And I like QB1, which is beyond the lights of the show. I'm trying to get you guys to watch, but you're not watching it. Was I it just about, heard about Is that. it about, about one quarterback or is it about <laughs> three quarterbacks? Well done, everybody. Great guilty pleasures football draft. Excellent job. All right, we get back. We'll go around the NFL. A lot of things happening in the league, especially donors meetings going on. And one rule in particular that's been changed one everybody wanted to talk about. One that kind of popped up on everybody and went, whoa. What are the ramifications of that one? We'll talk about it next right here on Texans All Access. One final segment on this wet Wednesday. I know a lot of you are suffering through the thunderstorms and the rain that have hit the area or wherever you're listening. Maybe you've got great weather wherever you are and you're in a different state, different country, around the world. Appreciate you listening to Texans All Access. I'm John Harris, your host, football analyst and sideline reporter. I... I hope you like the football guilty pleasures draft. And it was interesting. When I pitched the idea to both of them, Drew was like, "Uh, what do you mean? And then I kind of explained, he was like, okay, I got this, I got this. And then as we started talking through, I could kind of see the wheels turning. When he said snow games, absolutely. I love weather games. That's my father-in-law's. My father-in-law doesn't love football. But when there's a snow game on, oh, he used to, when I lived in North Carolina, I lived like a mile away. He would text me. And he would say, hey, are you watching this game on? It's starting to snow. Like, he would love it. It was fantastic. So snow games, I know, uh, is one of those for a lot of people. It definitely definitely is for me. And having grown up in Wisconsin, I there, my share of snow games. But it had been a while since I had seen a snow game and, a lot of, uh, and kind of got both. I hadn't been to Lambeau in a long time, but I got a chance to do that in 2016. Going to Lambeau, my parents in the stands, and it's snowing in green. It was, it was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. I mean, it was like guilty pleasure, come to. But the bomb, I could watch a beautifully thrown spiral. I remember Cordell Stewart, who I've gotten to know through TuneIn. I, I during the season, I would go on every Tuesday with Cordell Stewart and Brian Weber. We met them at the Greenbrier and on their No Huddle show. I would go on with them, and so I've known. I know Cordell a little bit, and so I. One of my favorite things to ever watch was him throwing the Hail Mary in 1994. Ted Johnson knows about this throwing that Hail Mary to Michael Westbrook, and the ball's like 75 yards in the air, and you just see it, like this majestic parabola in the air. Oh, I I love it. I absolutely love it. So that's our guilty pleasures draft. All right, let's bounce around the league. A couple of things happening throughout the league. The Texans signed Brandon Whedon. Didn't mention that early on. I'm I'm sure that Mark talked about that at some point yesterday. The Texans bring back Brandon Whedon. I've seen some, eh, some vitriol on Twitter. It's funny because one of the names that popped up when we were talking about backup quarterbacks, it popped up a couple of days ago and I thought about this. I was like, man, what about Cody Kessler? I didn't know his contract situation. I didn't think he was a free agent. I thought it might be have to be a trade if they did it. But then I saw they brought back Brandon. We had a lot of people were like, oh, he knows the system. Coach O'Brien just said in the first segment, the system's going to be different. But I think what Brandon knows is the personnel. He knows the personnel. He knows everybody involved. He knows, you know, and I think that's one of the things about you know, not, it's not so much running this offense. That I mean, anybody's saying that. It's not really that. It's about knowing the personnel. And I'm talking about knowing and understanding and dealing with Coach O'Brien and the team and the players and everything about it and just not having to get somebody up to speed. And think about this in OTAs. If Deshaun is not able to go in OTAs, then you're not going to get anything done if you don't have a quarterback that can step in and knows where everybody needs to be and get everybody in the right spot. So what are you going to get done? That said, they want Brandon Whedon. Now, a name I thought about a couple weeks ago, as I was saying, was Cody Kessler. He ends up going to Jacksonville as a backup. The Browns traded a 2019 2019 seventh-rounder to Jacksonville. uh, I'm sorry, to the Browns for Kessler to go to Jacksonville. So, Cody Kessler, he's out. He goes. Deshaun Kaiser was traded to Green Bay. So, John Dorsey came in and said, yeah, quarterbacks we had, and not so good. Because they had Brock Osweiler, he's out. They had Cody Kessler, he's out. Sean Kaiser, he's out. You've got on hand Kevin Hogan, and you've got now Tyrod Taylor. And I would imagine the draft pick. Tyrod said he's not a bridge quarterback, but he's gonna be a guy that fills in. He's gonna be a guy that steps up twenty eighteen, does some good things, but he's not the face of the franchise. Yeah, I would love for it to be, but it's just he's not gonna be. So Browns trade Cody Kessler to the Jacksonville Jaguars. Now We talked about this a little, just a little bit. Odell Beckham Jr. The Giants apparently have asked for two first-round picks for Odell Beckham. If there is a team that is going to give up two first-round picks to get Odell Beckham Jr. and then have to pay a monstrous contract, then Dave Gettleman should run to wherever they are and sign the deal and shake on it. You take two first-round picks for wide receiver. Yeah, but, John, it's Odell Beckham Jr. I don't care. Two first-rounders? Two first-rounders for anybody. I don't care who it is. But two first-rounders. The only thing you trade two first-rounders for are a quarterback. End of story. That's it. You trade two first-rounders for a quarterback. Done. You don't do it for anything. Well, you're hoarding draft picks. <laughs> I trust myself in the first round. You're going to give me two players in the first round. I got opportunity with two first-round picks? Come on, man. And the Giants are not void of talent. They got opportunity to turn this thing around real quickly. Just like just like the Browns can. The Browns could do that too. I think that he's going to end up staying in New York. He's going to end up signing a deal. And he's going to be there. Now, there's some talk about the Rams. I don't know how the Rams fit on their salary cap. I don't know. I don't know how that happens. But they'll have to pay Odell Beckham Jr. soon. They'll have to pay Marcus Peters soon. And if they hit it off with Sue, they're going to have to extend him too. And then they're going to have to pay Donald. I mean, they got a lot of money they're going to have to spend. I just can't see the Rams doing it. Maybe they want to do it for one year, go all in, see if they can win it. And then kind of the Miami Marlins thing that they did a few years ago, many years ago, about 20 years ago now. They just had a big old fire sale at the end of this. You're not going to be able to bring everybody back. That's the problem in L.A. But maybe they do it, but you're going to give up two first-round picks if you're L.A. to do it, and then you might not be able to keep everybody that you brought in? I, I don't see it. I don't see anybody doing it. I really don't. The team that could possibly do it would end up being the Cleveland Browns, but I don't think the Browns are at a point where Odell Beckham Jr. puts them over the top. That's the only way. That's the only way you make this deal. Only way. And for the Rams, that could make some sense. Odell Beckham Jr. could put the Rams over the top, so I could see it. But if you're the Giants, you know what you're getting? You're getting the 31st to 32nd pick if they get him because the Rams are going to be in the Super Bowl with him and all the other pieces they've acquired. So you're going to get the 31st to 32nd pick? I mean, it's not like you're getting number three or number four. You get the 31st to 32nd pick. So, But still, I'm getting first-round picks. I'll take two first-round picks. If you're going to give them to me for Odell Beckham Jr., come on, let's go if I'm Dave Gettleman. Sue Cravens traded to the Broncos. Not a huge name, but it's to me it's curious. I'm curious about it. Sue Cravens was there were some issues with in Washington on a number of different levels. And so I'm very curious to see how that fit goes uh in Denver. But this one is the one I think really got I don't say got under people's skin. I would have loved to have heard what Teddy J said. I didn't get a chance to listen yesterday. But a rule that the NFL has put in was something that Roger Goodell had to talk about today when he addressed the media today from the annual league meetings. It is about the lowering of the head. Now, a lot of people have voiced opinions on this, and obviously I'll voice mine. I I understand the spirit of the rule and the spirit of the law. Now, a few years ago, I remember remember going on the radio and seeing one of the the rules that the NFL put in, and it had to do with something like this. And I think it was like a running back couldn't lower his head to run somebody over, and it was never called. It was never called. And that's my whole point. How is this going to be called? Look, if true spearing, which is using the crown on your helmet, if that was called properly, that's what this is. This is basically saying that we're not calling spearing properly. There are a lot of hits that just go, wow, that, that, was not, that was not good. Roger Goodell said today, our focus is how to take the head out of the game and make sure that we're using the helmet as protection and it's not being used as a weapon. And that's the core what we're focused on. And I think we made a tremendous amount of progress in that this week. Now there are a lot of people that looked at it and said, "Whoa, man! Ow. What if I go to make a tackle on a guy and then he slips and I kind of... Well, first of all, your head shouldn't be down anyways when you tackle. That that's the whole point. A good, solid tackle, you keep your head up at all times. Now there's going to come a time, I would think, when the quarterback or running back or whomever starts to kind of go down to the ground and you maybe hit. Those are the ones that I think will be the test case. Because I think that gets officiated poorly in college football, and it costs some guys a half because they end up getting the targeting call on them, and they've got to go off for a half. Now, I hope that's not what this is. I hope this is just really kind of a shot across the bow to say, look, take the helmet out of the game. If you're leading with your helmet – if you're, if you're not trying to wrap up, you're just throwing your helmet, you're ducking your head, we're going to start flagging for it. I think it's actually for the betterment of the players. They've got to learn to not – because this is the world we live in it. You can gripe and complain about it. This is the world we're living in with football. Do we all love it? Nah. But they're trying to make this a safer game. They, they know – football knows what it's up against in some sense. But if you take the head out of the game – it can end up being, a, It can be want to say a safe game. It's still going to be violent. It's still going to be that kind of game. But so is hockey. you got parents telling their kids to go play hockey instead of football. Look, the collisions are worse in hockey. They're not wearing half the gear. But that's a soapbox for a different day. So there you go. Hopefully that rule uh, will, it'll be examined. And my thought is it's going to come down to officials are really going to have to legislate better when it's spearing, when it's not necessary to go helmet-to-helmet, helmet, those kind of things, and that's going to be tough. But they'll have to ferret that out, and that's what Goodell said, that they will spend the next few weeks and months trying to do before the season starts. Big thanks to Drew to DP for all of you for listening. Thank you so much. We'll see you tomorrow, everybody. And as always, go Texans.